many of you guys spent some more time outside because it's so amazingly beautiful, yeah? Man, I, so I like drive the bus and we had the windows open and well, at least I had my window open because it's amazing. Hey, just so you guys know, we're getting some chairs pulled out. So if you guys are sitting on the back walls or whatever, uh, we're going we're gonna to get some chairs for you so you don't have to sit on the ground and such. We got a packed house tonight. I'm glad you guys are here. What's your name on the left? Say I'm glad you're here. Oh, uh, come on. What's your name on the right? Say I'm really glad you're here. Really glad you're here. All right, leaders, I need you guys to help me too. We might, I might have you guys just post up on the walls if that's cool. All right, so we're in a series. Listen, I'm really excited about today because here's the deal. I've been praying about this series, and I tell you what, this is one series, if you haven't been here for the past few weeks, we've been talking about relationships. We've been talking about all kinds of stuff. Actually, last week, we got really kind of in-depth and talked about sex, and we did small groups and that kind of stuff. Stop, guys. Shh. Everybody listen. And so, I, 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 as we were kind of just approaching this, this, uh, this series and, and this message, I've got so much that I feel like God really wants to get to you guys. And honestly, normally we do our series about four weeks because we don't want to burn you out or whatever, but man... I feel like this series is going to go like, I could go like eight weeks to be quite honest with you because there is just so much stuff that I feel like God wants to get to you guys. And, and especially when we're talking about this message today, I feel like that there's a lot of you guys, not that other messages aren't like, you know, important or whatever, but this message is for some of you. This message, I think, is going to change some of your guys' lives. This message, I feel like God is just going to breathe on it and some of you are just going to have a completely different perspective about relationships. And so what we're going to be talking about this week is we're talking about God's pathway to a great relationship versus the enemy's pathway to a great relationship. I want you guys to realize, realize this, like God has a plan for your relationships. Like we all know, like God loves us. God has a plan for my life. There's good things, you know, all that stuff. But, but, but on the same side of that is the enemy also has a plan for your relationships. And determining who, like depending on who you, whose plan you follow is going to depend on what outcome you get. Now, if you look at most people's relationships, I would say probably a lot of your guys' maybe parents or, or siblings or whatever, like when you look at those relationships, a lot of them don't end very well. They're ending in divorce or they're just two people who are married who are constantly arguing. Like, how many of you guys realize that wasn't God's plan for those relationships, right? Those relationships weren't supposed to be like that. That was the enemy's plan. The enemy wants to bring division and strife and divorce and all of this terrible stuff. And I remember whenever I was in high school, look, when you are a young person in life, you are usually full of like, oh man, my life is going to have all these amazing dreams. Man, I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to have a great job. I'm going to have this great family. I'm going to have all these kids and life is just going to be amazing, right? Now look, all of that is exactly what God wants to give to you. God wants you to have, specifically talking about our relationships, God wants you to have an amazing marriage. How many of you guys want to get married in this room? Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. You want to get married? You want to have somebody with you. All right, listen. Now look, if you want to get married, I'm pretty sure, listen, 
I'm pretty sure you're not sitting in your seat like, man, I hope I have the worst marriage. I hope me and my wife fight all the time. I hope that, right? That's not what we plan for, right? Now listen, shh, shh. We plan for amazing, we plan for a good thing. We, we think that our relationships are gonna be amazing. And look, here's what I wanna first start off and tell you. That is God's plan for your relationships, for your marriage, for your family. He wants you to have an amazing family. But here's what, I'm reading this book called Swipe Right by, by a pastor named Levi Lusco. And he said, look, a lot of times what we want to do is we want to have all of the instant gratification of, of everything that's supposed to be in a marriage. And we want, so we want to do things our way in that sense. We want to do things kind of how the enemy wants us to do. We, we wouldn't think of it like that, but we want to do things our way. But then we want to have God's, like, uh, God's envy. So we want, to, we want to start off how we want to start off and do, do you know, uh, relationships however we want to do it. But then we want to have God's ending. We want to have the happy ending with not the happy start. We want to have the great marriage without doing it the right way. It's kind of like saying, I want to drive to Kansas City, but I'm going to drive the opposite direction. If you want that picture that you have in your head of a great family and a great relationship and a great marriage, you have to start it off the right way. Now, I'm not saying that if you end up in that position where, you know, you are, you know, you, 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 uh, you don't really walk that out as well as you should. Man, God, can, God can, can change anything. But why would you want to put God in a position where he has to? Why not start off this relationship thing God's way and get God's ending from the start without having to go through a bunch of crap in the middle of it? God has a great plan for your life, and the enemy also has a plan. I, I want to read this out of the Bible. We're talking about God's plan and, and, and Satan's plan, right? When it comes to your relationships, 1 Peter 5, 8 says this. We've, we've shared, shared this before. To stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, your great enemy. You have an enemy, guys. You, you're, you're not just fighting against your parents saying, don't do this. You, know, you have an enemy who has a plan for you. And he, here, here's, what, here's what it says. He's roaming around like a lion looking for someone to devour. What's his plan? So what is he doing? He's looking for an opportunity to get in your life. So what is, it, what is his plan? What does he want? John 10.10, 10, the thief's purpose. The enemy's purpose for your life is to steal from your life, to kill things in your life, and to destroy things in your life. Let's talk about that. Let's put that in the context of, of a good relationship because that's what we're talking about. John 10.10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal away a, a solid marriage, to destroy everything that God has tried to do in your life and to kill any hope. That's what the enemy's plan is for your life. So if you do things the enemy's way when it comes to your relationships, you are headed towards accomplishing his purposes. But here's the good news. God's got a plan for your life too. Probably one of the most quoted scriptures in the Bible is Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. Well, think about that. God has a plan for you. He's got a plan for, he knows who the perfect husband is for you. He knows who the perfect wife is for you. They're probably pretty good looking too. I'm just throwing that out there. God's not going to give somebody you're not attracted to. Like so many teens are worried about that. Like, oh, but, but if I do it God's way, they're not going to be hot. Like, come on. <laughs> God put that in you. You're going to be attracted to whoever you're supposed to be with. All right, listen. Shh. Here's the plans. They are for good and not for disaster. 
to give you a future and a hope. I want you to think about that word disaster. I don't know if you guys remember what happened in Joplin a few years back. I don't know, that was actually probably, you guys are probably maybe smaller, but anyway, there's big tornado came through, big enough that it was on national news. And it's amazing because you like watch this news and where this, this subdivision was, it's just a pile of, of miles of just rubble of, of house, things that used to be houses and now it's just sticks and things that can't be put back together. That's a disaster. That is what the enemy wants to bring to your relationships. So here's what I want to do today. I want to compare and contrast three main areas of our relationships. And what we're going to do is we're going to say, this is how God wants us to do it. But the opposite of that is this is how the enemy wants to do it. So as we're talking, listen, I want you to determine in this specific, as we talk about the, 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 the points in this specific area, whenever I'm looking at my relationships, am I leaning more towards doing things God's way or am I leaning more towards the enemy's way? Let's pray real quick. I don't think we prayed. Let's do that. God, we just, we just thank you so much for all that you are. Father, I pray that you would help us today to have a soft heart towards you. God, I pray that whatever, whatever person needs to hear this by your Holy Spirit, that you would allow them to hear it. God, that you would surprise those, maybe somebody who's not even listening right now. God, that you would just capture their attention by in the way that only your Holy Spirit can. God, we thank you, Lord, for life changing things happening tonight in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Here's the first thing. First main area of relationships that as I'm looking out into, into how high schoolers are doing stuff and junior hires are doing stuff. It's this, listen, you got love versus lust, love versus lust. Let's talk, let's talk about a little bit about love first. Love is a real buzzword right now. Like everybody's always saying like, like, man, we got to love everybody, which means we got to allow everybody to do everything. Look, the English language doesn't really capture the word love really well, because look, we can like, we can use love in like a variety of ways. And, 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 and it's kind of like in the language used in this like uh, 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 same way. But really there's all these different, these different levels. Like what I mean by that is like, how many of you guys have had the nacho fries at Taco Bell? Anybody? I heard they're amazing, right? How many of you guys, if you've had nacho fries at Taco Bell, say that you love nacho fries from Taco Bell, right? Okay, I got a couple of you. How many of you guys would say that you love pizza? All right, hands down. How many of you guys would say that you love fruit snacks? Okay, I love fruit snacks. I'm not gonna lie, I have like three packages of lunch, right? How many of you guys love powdered donuts? Anybody? Okay, let's go to the other side. How many of you guys love the chocolate donuts? Powdered donuts, let me see you. Chocolate donuts, let me see you. Oh, it's pretty split, okay. Now let me ask you this too, listen. How many of you guys can think of a person that you really love? Anybody? Could be your mom, could be your boyfriend, your girlfriend, right? Now listen. Listen. How many of you got an animal who you really love? All right, a lot of you. Now, here's what I want to break down. Listen. Listen, listen, listen. When we go on the scale of Taco Bell nacho fries, and we love Taco Bell nacho fries to the other side of the scale of 
I love a person, whether it's my boyfriend or girlfriend or my mom or my dad or, you know, best friend or whatever. Look, we use that word as if, as if it's the same thing. But look, love has an action. When it comes to nacho, nacho, like, nacho fries, nacho bell, whatever. Listen, when it comes to nacho fries, y'all be willing to pay the dollar for but it, it, it. But what love really says is I'm going to be willing to give everything of myself. How many of you guys would give your entire, like let's say you got 10 grand in your savings account. You probably aren't going to give the $10,000 for natural price, which means you don't really, listen guys, which means you don't really love the natural price as much as let's talk about a person that you really love. When it comes to people, you might say, man, I'd die for that person. In fact, that's what the Bible says. Listen, the Bible talks about how in, in John chapter 15, verse 13, it says this. This is how God defines love. It says there's no greater love than for someone to lay down their life for one's friend. I want you to think about most relationships when it comes to high school. When it, stop. When it comes to junior high. When it comes to maybe your relationship, listen, a lot of times we say, I'm in love with this person, but we don't actually know what we're saying. We don't actually know what that word means because love has been so watered down in our culture. You have to understand what love means. Love means that no matter what you do, what actions you do against me, whether they're, they're for my benefit or they're not for my benefit, whether you absolutely hate me, no matter what you do to me, I'm going to act in a kind way. I'm going to be patient with real love is this. It's John 15, 13. It's what Jesus did for us. It's that no matter what you do to me, I'm going to give you my entire life, even up to death. That's what true love is. See, the opposite of love, a lot of us would say hate, but I would say in this context, the opposite of love is lust. Do you know what lust is? Lust is completely about one and them and what it benefits them. See, what I see a lot when it comes to high school relationships is what can I get from this relationship? What can I get out of this girl? What can, I'm talking to this girl on Snapchat. What kind of stuff can I get from her? You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking, listen, I'm talking, and this isn't just guys. I'm talking about girls, man. I need acceptance. What can I get out of this guy? Look, that is not love. That is lust. Lust is all about me. See, true love dies for somebody. True lust says, you've got to give me everything. You've got to serve me. Love says, I will serve you no matter what you do. But love says, it's all about what you can give me. When you look at relationships, when you look at your relationships, I want to be honest, some of you guys aren't even in a boyfriend or girlfriend relationship, but you're still in lust with a lot of girls. Maybe just with the idea of girls. Look, the best life you can live. This is what Jesus said. The one who is a servant is the one who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know what that means? The one who completely gives themselves away. No matter what other people do. No matter what happens. The person who is completely selfless, not selfish, completely selfless. 
Those are the ones that are the greatest. Look, if you're going to do things God's way, you have to understand what love is. And what's awesome is the Bible defines it for us. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse four says this four through seven says love is patient. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you're in a relationship or you're considering a relationship with somebody, I want you to ask yourself two questions. Is the person I'm in a relationship with or considering being in a relationship with this? And am I this towards them? Love is patient. You know what patient means? It means it's willing to wait for sex. It's willing to wait for physical stuff. I'm willing to wait to build a friendship because I'm patient. I love you enough to be patient. Love is kind. I want you to also notice something else. There's no prerequisites here. This isn't saying love is patient and kind as long as they are patient and kind with me. Love is, let's continue reading. Love is not jealous. Do you have people who are jealous? Are you jealous? Love is not boastful. It's not proud. It's not rude. It doesn't demand its own way. Girls, do you have a guy that's trying to demand his own way? Trying to, to demand things? Girls, are you demanding things? It's not irritable. Listen, shh. it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice whenever injustice happens, but rejoices when the truth never, uh, wins out. Love never gives up and never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures for every circumstance. That's love. That's love. Now listen, shh. I rewrote this passage of, of, of scripture here to say if there was a definition of lust... This is what it would sound like. Lust is demanding and hateful. Lust is jealous. It's boastful. It's proud. It's rude. Lust does demand its own ways. Irritable. It always keeps a record of every wrong. It rejoices when injustice happens, but it hates when the truth wins out. Lust gives up. Lust loses faith. It's never hopeful and it can't endure through any circumstance. When it comes to your relationship Are you willing to die for that person? Are you willing to give your life to them even when it doesn't feel right? Because if not, I would suggest maybe you're not really in love. Maybe you're in lust. And maybe you need to kind of sever that relationship. God's end goal is that, look, can I I be honest? Look, do you know what, what, what God put inside of you as a need? You need somebody to love you. You, you were designed for that, okay? Listen, God wants to give you that in the right person. But you, some of you guys might be sacrificing that right person that you could be meeting and marrying because you're in lust with somebody else. Does that make sense? Man, don't sacrifice the right person for a, 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 to, to meet a need that you think you have right now. Are you currently in a loving relationship or a lusting relationship? Love versus lust. Second thing is this. God's way is he wants love. Satan's way is he wants lust. Second thing is this. Feeling versus commitment. Feelings versus commitment. If there's anything that I've seen in the world right now, especially in high school and junior hires, is that they are so, I, I won't say just you guys, I, 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 all of us at some point, but it's all about what feels right. Look, I, I shared this one other times before. How many of you guys know that like there's times you feel like punching somebody in the face, right? Like 
You feel like cussing somebody out. You feel like cutting that person off. You feel like, you know, y'all know what I'm talking about? Now listen, listen. Here's what the Bible says about feelings. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says this. There is a path that seems right, but ends in death. I'm going to rephrase that to put the word feels. There's a path before each person that feels right, but ends in death. How, I think there's some people in here that's like, man, I just, I, I, you know you need to change your friends, but you're like, man, that feels like it maybe isn't right. Just because it feels one way doesn't mean that that's God leading you. You've got you've to align your feelings. But the, the times that I want to punch somebody in the face is the times that I say, okay, God, I go back to 1 Corinthians 13. You tell me to be patient. You tell me to be kind. I'm going to do that despite how I feel. It's so important. I, I'm going back to that book that I was telling you about. Look, I, and I, wanna, I know most of you guys probably in here aren't really readers, but uh, this book called Swipe Right, amazing book. Amazing book. You guys need to get it. But he talks about at this one point how pilots, whenever they fly at night, they have to fly with their instruments. And, he's, and, they, and, and basically their instruments will tell them, you know, which way they're going, if they're banking right, if they're banking left, if their nose is pointing down and they're actually flying right into the ground, or if they're flying straight up. Their instruments tell them all because whenever you're flying as a pilot, it's not like a, you're driving a car where you can see all your surroundings. There's nothing around you, right? You don't have roads. You don't have anything. You just got clouds and you're, you know, 30, 40, 50,000 feet in the air. And he talks about the story about this pilot that he knows that, uh, that, that was in his church. And, he's, and, and he was talking to him about this. And he said, did you ever have a, a, a time when you thought that, you know, you were flying one way and this is telling you another? And he said, yeah, absolutely. And he goes on to tell the story. He was actually a fighter pilot in the Air Force. And he was talking about how he was flying, you know, 40,000 feet. It was dead, dead, uh, middle of the night, super dark, couldn't see anything. And so what happens a lot of times to pilots is you could be, you could just convince yourself, I know that I am flying straight and I'm, I'm pointing up. Your, your feelings are telling you everything is level. He said, but there was this one moment, there was this time whenever I was in that viewer, I felt like I was flying straight, everything was good. But when I looked at my instruments, then my instruments told me I was pointed down at, you know, whatever, you know, 10 degree angle, I was banking slightly right. And so what, what, what his instruments were telling him was he was actually in a, in a spin of death is what they call it. Because basically what his plane was doing is just making this spiral to where eventually he would hit something, a mountain or go right into the ground. And so the guy that was writing a book, Pastor Levi's his name, he said, well, what did you do? He said, I trusted my instruments. He said, but you were feeling like you were flying straight. Why didn't you trust your feelings? He said, you know what? It's a good thing I didn't trust my feelings because when I landed, I realized I was 3,000 feet off of the, off of the which, it, which in an airplane is not a lot of distance, 3,000 feet from the ground and probably real close to flying straight into it. I wouldn't have known anything, just boom, dead. If he didn't trust his instruments, if he, would have, if he would have went with his feelings, it would have led him straight to death. That is exactly what this problem is saying. There's a way that, that feels right, feels right to date this person. He's like, what did him say? It feels right to hang out with this person. It feels right. But the problem is there's these instruments in the back of your head where you're like, no, I think Tony told me something. I think 
The Bible said something about, no, those feelings got to be back. No, you've got to go back to not your feelings, but what does the word of God say? Look, I'm going to be straight with you. Look, I've been married for a few years now. I love my wife, love my life. I've got, we've got an incredible marriage, but there are still days, and I know it's the same for her, so I can, I, I know she would say this. There's still days I wake up where, where, or we, we have, a, have a fight or have an argument or whatever, and it's like, I do not feel like I like you right now. You know, like, we are not really friends right now. And, and I know she feels the same way to me. If I just continually base my marriage off of my feelings, we get divorced and then get remarried and then divorced again and remarried. No, that's where commitment has to come in. Do you have, and this is where it goes back to love, because love is committed no matter what. Do you have somebody who's committed to you no matter what? Look, that's what marriage is all about. I do, no, death to his part, no matter what happens. Are you being motivated by feelings or by commitment? Commitment is greater than feelings. It takes you further than feelings and leaves you more fulfilled than feelings. Feelings bail at the moment things go south. Commitment stays through it. Feelings are short-term. They make you feel good in the short-term. Commitment is long-term. Don't let feelings run your life. Now, whenever we're talking about feelings, we're talking about versus commitment, we're talking specifically on how you interact with the people. With people, with, you, you might have somebody who's, who, again, you're in a relationship or considering something and, and, and somebody's pressuring you to do stuff. And they say, well, if you don't, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break up with you. That's not commitment. That's all about feelings. That's all about. So whenever we're talking about feelings, are you a committed person yourself? Third thing is this. Des- desire versus destiny. Feelings versus commitment is you, you to other people. Desire versus destiny is you to God. You guys know God has a perfect place for you. He's got a perfect plan for you. But the way God wants to get you there is not the perfect, not the way that you want to get there. He wants you to trust him. So as you're going through your journey, you have, you can't figure it out. Look, if you, I'm going to, I'm going to even say this much, this far, if you can figure out exactly where you're at in your life, you might not be following God. Here's what I've learned about God. He has confused the heck out of me. You know why? Because he wants me to trust him. He wants me to know that he's got me. You guys ever seen like a dad working with like a, like I've got a, I've got a four-year-old daughter right now. Like, and, and maybe they're at the pool and what's happened. Like, like the, the daughter wants to swim in the deep end. She wants to be with her father. Right. But, but, but it's the deep end. So she's scared about what could happen. And you've got this dad doing what? The, most dads aren't going to be like, oh, it's okay. Honey. You just stay on the shallow end. No, most dads are like, hey, come here. I'll catch you. I'll catch you. And they put the daughter or the son in this position that they are nervous. They don't know what's going to happen. And they got to completely lose control. They're going to jump to their dad, right? Look, God wants to do the same for you. He wants to put you in a position that is uncomfortable. God's way to the right relationships isn't going to feel the most comfortable. There's going to be desires inside of you. That's going to be like, man, I don't desire to do that. God, I don't. I mean, what high schooler desires to wait for sex? It's like, that's not really a desire that most of us want. But God set it up that way because it's better that way. I'm speaking from experience. 
Now, there are some desires that are godly. There, so that's why you have to always, just like your feelings, go back and check your desires and say, man, is this what, is this what God wants or is, this, or, or is this just me? How many of you guys have ever done the dragon wing at uh, Six Flags? Anybody? Dragon. Nobody. Wow. Oh, two. Okay. So here's the dragon wing because some of you guys don't really know what it is. The dragon wing is like one of the only rides you have to pay for, but it's that big arch thing that they like. Tie, tie up three people together in this like little little twin mattress thing and get you a big rope and they and then they just let you free fall, right? So I was listen I was afraid of heights. I didn't do this one in St. Louis. I did it uh, whenever I was a, a junior high leader in Tulsa. So we were in Frontier City, we were on a trip uh, in Oklahoma City and so they had one that was a little lower but um, I was like, like, even at that time, I was like, I don't do roller coasters. I don't do that, especially, you know, but I'm like in my twenties at this point, And I've got all these little seventh and eighth graders who are like peer pressuring me. Like I'm in high school or junior high again. Like you gotta do it. You gotta do it. And luckily it costs money. Right. So I'm like, Oh man, guys, I would love to do this. But I just, you know, I'm a broke college student. I can't do it. So then one of their parents is like, Hey, that's cool. Tony, we'll pay the 20 bucks. <laughs> Of course you will. Awesome. So now I'm committed, right? Because I can't back out and look like a joke to these seventh and eighth graders. Like I'm a 21 year old man, right? So I am like going up on this deal, scared out of my mind. Like, dude, like, how many guys? When you go up on roller coasters, you just close your eyes so you can't see anything. Like, if you close your eyes, then you can't you can't fall and hurt yourself, right? Because you can't see it. So as we're, and of course, like, as they are, like, pulling me back, it's not like a fast deal. It takes forever. So you're just, like, slowly seeing how much faster you're going to hit the ground because you keep going one foot up and, then, you know, that's just going to add speed as you hit the hard pavement. So uh, you're just, like, I, I mean, it's this five minutes where you're just, like, you know, tied to these two eighth graders and they're all, like, ah! you know, super excited. So we're going up and we finally get to the top. And that's probably the worst. Like, because they stop there, and then they got this, like, big bullhorn down here. They're like, are you ready? Like, no, I'm not ready. I wasn't ready to begin with, right? The other two are like, yeah, yeah. They're like, all right, pull the cord whenever you're ready. Here we go. So I close my eyes in the first part, and one of the other, like, it feels like 10 minutes. <laughs> you know, just wave, and then finally, you, you kind of hear it, you know, then you're like waiting, and then you just feel your stomach. Like it feels like it's still up there, and you're 40 feet below. It's like, oh my God! You know, and then you're like, you like coming at the ground 70 miles an hour. Then you, you know, go back up, and it's like, okay, that wasn't too bad. It kind of turns back around, right? And then in the middle of the ride, I start to open my eyes. I'm like, whoa, this is, this is actually pretty cool. Like, I'm, I go from terrified, afraid of heights, so now in the middle of this crazy ride, I'm like, man, this is pretty awesome. Like, I, I've never done anything like this before, right? And so we're swinging back and forth, back and forth. I'm like, man, this is great, right? And, and ever since that day, used to be like getting on a ladder, anything like that, mess with me. Afraid of heights, couldn't do it. Ever since that day, I still got respect for heights, but heights don't bother me anymore. Do you know why? Because somebody pushed me out of my comfort zone. Do you know what God wants to do for your relationship? Listen, supposed to do things that are going to push you out of your comfort zone. I'm going to tell you guys, it's uncomfortable to wait, to wait to have sex until you're married. It's uncomfortable to try to build a friendship with somebody before you build a physical ship thing with somebody. It's uncomfortable. Listen, it's uncomfortable 
to reply on Snapchat no and then unfollow them whenever they ask for stuff. It's uncomfortable to tell your friends no, I'm not going to that because I know it's going to happen. It's uncomfortable. But I'm telling you what, the uncomfortableness of God always leads to life that is full of satisfaction. The comfortable areas of your enemy always leads to death. Always. It always starts comfortable first. It always feels like, man, these guys are accepting me. Man, it, it always, it always, but, God, but the enemy knows how to detour you right off of that. Straight into death. Amen. So here's the three things. Love versus lust. Where you at? Feelings versus commitment. Where you at? Desire versus destiny. Which one are you picking? Why don't you guys bow your heads, close your eyes. I want you guys, to, I want to read these two things real quick too. I know some of you guys in here probably are like, man, I, I so want to desire God's way, but my other desires are so strong. There's a verse in the Bible that's awesome. It's Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. It says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Do you know what that means? That God has the ability to, if you have desires that are outweighing what God wants you to do, you start praying that verse. God, I think that you not only give me the desire, but the power or the ability to do what pleases you. God changed that literally means God can change your heart. He can change your desires. And when he does that, he can also give you the ability to get away from that stuff. God wants to do that for you. Guys, stop. Some of you guys are on a pathway going 70 miles an hour straight on the highway into death. And, the end, and, and God is screaming, exit now! I know, it's loud, right? He wants you to get off that highway. Because some of you guys might not have much highway left. So let's make that choice tonight. It's not, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you up front, it's, it's not going to be easy. But let me ask you this, is anything of value ever easy? Any sports player that I know that has ever been successful, it is tough work. Any business person, it is tough work if they're successful. If you want to be successful in this, stop taking the easy route. It's going to be tough, but it's going to be worth it. The reward is so great. If you've never given your life to Jesus, this is, this is your time. This is when you need to do it. I want to encourage you guys. This is the best decision you'll ever make. Not only will it affect you in this life, but it affects if you go to heaven or hell as well. If you've never given your life to Jesus before and you'd like to, can I see your hand so we can pray with you tonight? Anybody in this place? One? Okay. Anybody else? Most important decision you ever make. All right. Awesome. Man, that's awesome. God's got a plan for you, girl. God's got a... I'm serious. I don't know what it is. One in the back. One in the straight hand. Anybody else? Shh. Keep your head bowed. Eyes closed. Everybody, if you believe this, repeat this after me. Say, Jesus... Thank you for dying on the cross for me. From this point forward, I'm living for you. I'm abandoning everything else, no matter what it makes me feel like, so I can live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's give it up for my boy Thomas. Woo! Everybody give a huge round of applause for Pastor Tony.